Isn't God good? Amen. 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 God is working and moving in our midst, and I'm so thankful for the work he's doing, and I pray that he is doing that work not only in the lives of two young men, but I pray that the Lord is working in your life, that you can see his evidence all around you. Uh, Last week, we began a new series in the book of Judges, and we asked the question, and I would encourage you, because this kind of, this question kind of encompasses everything that we're talking about for this entire series in the book of Judges, and so I encourage you to write it down, and we ask this question, what happens when God's people do not act like God's people? And that kind of uh, set the introduction to everything that we are discussing, because what we see is that over millennia, People have not changed. They're the same. They have the same qualms, the same difficulties, the same things that they rush headlong into that we need God to remove us from and rescue us out of and deliver us. And really, the book of Judges is a book of deliverers, of God again and again and again rescuing people from their own faults and their own failures. And so we want to see that and, and, and understand that. And, and we want to understand that God's people need to act like God's people. And that's what God wants us to do. We're going to take a step further this week and ask this question. What, happen when, what happens when God's people no longer know their God? What happens when God's people no longer know God? Furthermore, what if they no longer know his power in their lives? What if they no longer know the evidence? What if they no longer know that God is moving, God is working, and God has not changed? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God is still moving. The Holy Spirit who who began a work many years ago on the day of Pentecost through people uneducated Galileans, that same Holy Spirit that gave them power to do all the things that God did through them lives and resides in you and me today, and he wants to work in our lives, and he wants us to see his evidence of his goodness, of his power today in your life and in my life. The very same God, the very same Spirit that showed his power to these Israelites again and again and again wants you to know it and experience it today. And I hope you believe that. I hope you understand that. I hope you, uh, that's why you're here. But if it's not, then I hope that God will convince you of that today. That God loves you and God wants to work and move in you today. You may think, that can never be me I could never get to that point where I don't know him and I don't know his power. And you may think, well, I'm I'm glad you're preaching on this, Derek. I'm glad that you're talking about this because I remember so-and-so. They need to hear this message today. And and, and -and so-and-so, they need to watch it online. And and I'm going to share this as soon as I get home. And I'm going to remind so-and-so that this is true. But the Bible is not first a club to be wielded against other people and beat them over the head with it. The Bible is first a mirror to put in front of our own faces 
to gaze into the depths of our own souls and convict our own hearts that God wants to work and move and change me and you first. So my prayer for you today and my prayer for us today is that we would hold God's word. We'd hold the book of Judges and we wouldn't say, man, look at them and all the things that they did. But we would look at the Bible and the book of Judges and say, look at how quickly I could be in the same place in God. Rescue my own soul. God, rescue my own heart. God, speak to me and change me and move in me. That's my prayer. And I pray that's what you do today. Have you ever heard the word, or the term practical atheism? Have you ever heard this term? Now, you and I probably know what atheism means. It means uh, you're atheistic, so that you just don't believe that there is a theos, a God, right? And we know that this is rampant in our, in our, in our world today. There's, there's this thing called the new atheism, and there's these proponents of it and these people that dogmatically preach it. But practical atheism is a little more daunting if we think about it because practical atheism says, I may believe in God with my lips, but do nothing about it with my life and practically am atheistic. I speak about God. I say that I believe, but it does nothing to affect me, nothing to change me. I don't live my life as if I know this God that I say I believe in. And so practical atheism is something that people describe as a potential for us to fall in, that we believe in God and that we... um, that we say we believe, but we don't live our life as if we believe. And I want to ask this question around this, and I'm not suggesting any of us are atheistic practically. I'm just saying we have to be aware of it. We have to put this mirror before us and think about our own heart and life. And so I want to ask the question, do you know God, and do you know, and this is, this is the, the codifier, this is the thing that we must think, do you know His power? In your life Do you know God? And this is not just a cognitive Yes, I know about him I know things about him I know a lot of scripture I know a lot of, uh, a lot of things about him But no, do you know him In the sense that you know That his power is working and moving In you today I had to think about this in my own way, in a way that really drove it home for me. And I asked my own question, and, and maybe this is a better question for you, for us all to consider. And, and the question was, what do my children know about the God that I say I worship by my example? What do my kids know about God by my example? That really drives it home, doesn't it? It really makes you think for a moment. Wait a second. How, uh, what do my kids know about, uh, about God from their dad's life? And you may think, well, of course they know God. You're, you're a preacher. You, you, you're a pastor. You, uh, you're, uh, you're, like, you're, like a, uh, um, you're like super Christian. If you think that, you don't know me. <laughs> and the questions I had to ask... Myself is, is my ministry my God, little God, little G God? Because it's very easy for my, it would be very easy for my kids to think, oh, he worships the ministry that he has. 
rather than the God that I know. You see what I'm saying? That, that my God, the thing I focus on, the thing that I give myself to, could it be my own ministry that has substituted God in my life? I want to give you examples from my own life, but I want you to consider the things in your own life that could become little G God for you, that, that if someone were observing your life day in, day out, every moment, every, every second of it, what would they think is the thing you worship or the person that you worship? Is it God? And I pray that it is, or would they think something else? Because you see, we... I can't lie to my kids. I can't trick my kids. I can't, they know, they observe, they watch. This was a, a moment the other day, and, and you know, Caroline, she, she gets a smart mouth. I don't, I don't know who she got it from. My wife says it's me. I think it probably is. And so, and I, and I usually try not to tell you what kid did what, but I, I did, so. She tells me, Dad, you just love your phone. You're on it all the time. Wow. Now, she was messing with me. I mean, she was, like, digging in. I don't know why, but she, was, she, was, she knew it was getting under my skin, and she just kept going. But that's what I'm talking about. What do my kids think I worship? What will my kids think about God by my example? What do people around you say is your God? Now, I've told you mine. Think about yours. Could it be your God is church attendance or entertainment or fill in the blank? I don't know. And see, what I have been convinced of again and again, and more so even in the most recent weeks, is that God in my relationship with him really matters more than anything else. And if I were to say today, what do I want my life to be? What do I want to be said about me? What do I want to be cataloged about my life once I'm gone? As, as we saw, we see what's been cataloged about Joshua, right? That as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want people to know that Jesus is the most important thing to me. I don't want, and so God has been working in my heart and in my life to remind me of this. He's been working in my heart and my mind to remind me of, of how I need to be uh, dependent upon his presence and his power in my life. And my prayer is that he will continue to do the same for you as well. What we see from the Bible particularly the book of Judges, is that God desires to be present and powerful in our lives. He does not want to be secondary. He wants to be present and powerful in your life. Yet we can fail to acknowledge this, and I think we can draw three conclusions from the chapters 2 and 3 of Judges. In chapter 2, the narrator of Israel's history, he's writing the history of the land of Canaan, uh, the Israelites in the land of Canaan, and he sets up a pattern that the Israelites went through in their walk with God or lack of walking with God. 
And so we see this pattern that they went to and through. And I want to show you these things from Judges chapter 2. The Israelites, under Joshua's rule and under the leadership of those of Joshua's generation that followed him but died after him, as long as they were there, uh, Judges, uh, the, the, the writer of Judges states that as long as Joshua or the, the elders that, li- that uh, served with him and, and lived with him, while they were living, the people of God were following God's ways. They were living like God wanted them to. But as soon as... As soon as those guys died, as soon as those ladies died, as soon as that generation died after Joshua, they went headlong into sin, worshiping other gods. They went in headlong into uh, uh, inviting Baal, the, the, god, the god Baal and the god uh, of Asherah in with them. They had seen God's works. They had seen all he had done, and then they left him. And it says, those people that lived before Joshua and all of those, it says that, that uh, in, in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, would you read with me there? Look at what it says. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime, and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua, they had seen the Lord's great works that he had done for Israel. So those people who worshiped God knew what he had done. They knew his presence. They knew his power. But look what it says in verse 8 and following. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnaheres, in the hill country of Ephraim, uh, north of Mount Gash. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And after them, another generation rose up who, this is so scary, who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. You see, the people of God cared little about their God and worshiped all the other gods, and they rose up in such a way that they didn't even know him, they didn't know his power. They didn't know his works. What we see from this and what we must be understanding of in our own lives is that no longer walking with God leads to a path without God. No longer walking with God leads to a path Without God, should we be surprised that the direction in which we walk will lead us to the destination that we were walking towards? Let me say it another way. If we are not walking to God, we are walking away from God. If we are not walking with God, we are walking in a path that is completely apart from Him and away from Him. My... Uh, one of my pastors growing up was also a, a counselor and he met with a, a young man struggling through difficulty in his life and, and he didn't even want to be there. His parents forced him to come and speak with Pastor Keith and, and, and he spoke with them and, and, and tried to kind of help him to see what he was doing was leading in the direction he was leading in. And he says, son, why are you surprised that your life ended up exactly where you were aiming it? 
We wouldn't be surprised in any other thing. And so we shouldn't be surprised that no longer walking with God leads to a path without God. And that's the problem. These people no longer walked with God. The, the previous generation died off and they no longer cared about God. They no longer did anything uh, according to God's ways. They, in fact, it said they did evil in His sight. You may have seen a video we're about to show uh, this, this week circulating on... Um, on social media, and it's a great example of how we all, and everyone that posted this video said, that's me, that's me, that's me. I want you to see it, and, and it's kind of funny, but, uh, but it's, it's also descriptive of who we are and what, uh, what we have done. They do it in slow-mo. It's, it's, it's great. you got to see it in slow-mo here in a second. Look at that. <laughs> Why would we be surprised that our life directly ends up where we were aiming, where we were heading? And, and, and I have to say, that, that video really represents what is true here in the lives of the people of Israel, but it's true in my heart. It's true in my life. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Take my heart, Lord, and seal it for the courts above. We all know that the struggle is to live our own lives, live our own way, walk away from God. Don't worry about walking with God today, tomorrow. I'll get to that later. I'll do that once I'm older. I'll, I'll do that once my kids are a little bit older. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that point. I'll take it seriously then. And the thing is, is that we should not be surprised when we're walking our own way that one day we end up where God is not. The second thing we see is that turning away from God leads to people given over to their ways. Look at what happens later on in chapter 20 as, as the writer is setting this pattern. You see, the people jumped headlong into sin, into worshiping other gods, worshiping Baal and the Ashtoreths. Um, uh, the Israelites did, uh, verse 11 says, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They they worshiped the Baals and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the Egypt and they followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them and they angered the Lord for they abandoned him and worshiped Baal and the Asherahs. Look in verse 20. It says, The Lord's anger burned against Israel and he declared, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their fathers and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel and to see whether or not they would keep they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their fathers had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. You see, the thing, in the old, people give the Old Testament God a, a bad rap. But the thing is, is that we, we, we like to focus on what God did, but we, we forget to focus on what the people did. They left him. 
They didn't know him. They didn't worship him anymore. They didn't care about him any longer. And so all God did was just take his hand off of their lives. Romans chapter 1 verse 24 says that uh, therefore God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts. God delivered them over to themselves. The other translation says he gives them over to their ways. God allows people in sin who are completely disobedient to him and do not care about him and do not walk with him, he allows them to continue in the trajectory they were going themselves. So we give God a bad rap and say, oh God, how could a good God uh, who's loving and kind, how could he do this to people? The thing is that God didn't do it. They did it, and God allowed them to continue in the way they were already heading. That's what we see in Judges is that he says, uh, I'll, I'll allow you to go into these lands, and, I, and I'll just pull my presence out. I'll pull my power out and just see what happens. Again and again and again, this took place, and then again and again and again, the Israelites would get to this place of desperation and they would turn back to God and he would be graciously, lovingly waiting there for them and deliver them and rescue them and be compassionate and kind to them. But again and again and again, they would continue doing what they did. We must be careful turning our hearts to someone or something else. The Lord may allow us to do it. He may give us over to our sins. In our case, we we know that there's grace in Jesus, but we must be careful not to just assume that God is just going to be gracious to us again and again and again, and we can do whatever we want and say, well, God has forgiven me. I can just live however I want. And Paul wrote about this as well in Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4. He says, um, should we who are in, uh, should we who are saved continue in sins that grace may abound? And he says, absolutely not. How can we who die to sin still live in it? What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death and therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we also may walk in new life. If we know Christ and we know what Jesus did and we know his grace, shouldn't we want to be baptized into that, immersed into that, saturated in that, and live in the life that he brings us and not continue in the way of death? We mustn't think that there is no hope. You see, we can see this cycle again and again. We can focus on what God did to them. He just pulled his hand off and let uh, let the havoc they were already saturated in wreak havoc on their lives. And we can focus there. But what we see again and again and again, and this is where the hope is. This is where the excitement is. This is where uh, Jesus is ultimately pictured in this moment, that Jesus loved them, that God loves them, that he was waiting on them to call out to him, and he was there to deliver them. Look at what happens. And we see this in Joshua 3, 9 through 11. 
15 and even in the 31 in these examples of these deliverers he sent. And what we see is our third point. Crying out to God leads to God's compassion. Crying out to God leads to God's compassion. There is no one who is too far from the reach of God's forgiveness. There's no one too far from the reach of God's compassion. What we see, that what brings God's compassion is the cry of help. I love Gabriel's story. He said, I cried out for help and felt like I was saved when God came and Jesus put his hand on me. Look what the people of Israel did in verses 9 through 11 of, verse, of chapter 3. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. Uh, I'm sorry, that's 10. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. So the Lord raised up a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz. It, it was, it, he's not even from the tribe of, of Israel. He's not an Israelite by birth. He, he was grafted in. A, I love that, that God sent a deliverer in and, and an outsider that became part of them. Caleb's younger brother as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The spirit of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the presence of the Lord came on him, it says. And he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle and the Lord handed over King Cushan uh, Rishtaham. I'm sure that's wrong, but just go with it. Of Aram to him so that the Othniel overpowered him and then the land had peace for 40 years, and Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. What we see is that the people of God cried out to him for help, and what did he do? He helped them. What happened to the people when they cried out to God? He saved them, and this is true today. Look at what Romans chapter 10 says. If you're here today, and like Gabriel and like Colt are looking for help. Look at the help that's available. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes on him will, be, will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, we see this picture, we see this mirror to hold up to ourselves, and we say, well, look at those, those Israelites. Look at all the stuff they did. Look at how they lived their life, and, and we can point our fingers. But just like that lamb, and the <laughs> we run at times. I'm so thankful that the Bible says that if we call on Jesus' name, his compassion is ready and waiting to forgive us, to save us. Maybe you find yourself in a place of conviction today for your own sin, for the, for the, for the 
the ones or the things that you are worshiping. And just like the Israelites who realized, what are we doing? And called out on God, would you today trust and call out to Him? Maybe you're in a place of conviction about you know God, you, you trust Him, but you haven't seen His works lately in your heart and your life. Would you call out to Him today? Would you cry out to the Lord today? Would you ask Him to forgive you, to work in your life, to change you, to move in your heart and in your life? God raised up Ehud. We didn't read that. I, I ran out of time. We, he raised up Shamgar. And the next week, we're going to talk about these deliverers. He continue, continuously raises up. Why does he raise them up? Because of the Israelites again and again and again live in a way that pleases themselves. They walk in their own way. They walk away from God, and so they are away from God. But they get to a place in, of, of their the, the, the hole they're wallowing in and say, we can't do this. We need God to rescue us. And what does he do? He delivers them again. The interesting thing about Judge, the book of Judges is that it only spirals further and further. They get further and further from God each and every time. And I think it's meant to point us and help us to understand like we said last week, if we're only following a human deliverer, it's just going to fail. But we know, I know, and I pray that you know, that God said enough is enough. And he sent himself. He sent his son who became fully God, fully human, fully man so that he could identify with us, so that he could be our great high priest, so that he could mediate for us. But he himself came to deliver us through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross so that when you and I trust in that, as, as Gabriel did, as Colt did, and they, they showed their public display of that today, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in and leads us and guides us where we wouldn't want to go on our own convicts, convicts us of the sin sometimes before we get there and sometimes once we're there and say nope got to turn got to turn back to Christ what God once sent mankind to do he ultimately did it once and for all through Jesus Christ. And so you and I can call on him today in confidence that his compassion is available to you today. And that Jesus, if you call on him, will save you. And that his Holy Spirit will work in your life. So we're going to sing a song about the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And I pray if God is moving in your heart today in whatever way, listen, heed his direction, heed his calling. If you are convicted of, of where you are, 
call out to him today and he will deliver you. He will rescue you. He will save you. I'm going to pray. Our team is going to come. We're going to sing. And if God is moving in your heart, follow his leading today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I pray that you would work and move today, God. Holy Spirit, move in our midst. Change us. Make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? As you're standing, heed God's leading in your life. Spirit of